Ladies and gentlemen, this week on The Peas, I make my boy Nick watch a horror film. Nick, uh, I'm reaching my hand out. The candle is lit. I let you in. Welcome back to Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald here with you, and of course, my boy Nick on the flip side. What's up, brother? Welcome to Two Knives and a Face Cast, which is <laughs> wow, extremely relevant to, to today's movie discussion. Today, today the, the horror guy is here. I'm yes. the horror guy. It's me. It's me. No other person on the podcast enjoys horror movies. So uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. Yeah. So glad to have you here. So, so grateful for all of you, for all of your amazing, uh, you know, comments, everybody listening, everybody, everybody's been awesome, really, since, since I jumped into the show. And it's been really, really nice to hear uh, everyone enjoying my presence, I think, for the most part, except yeah. for Dan. Nah, Dan likes, Dan like, Dan's okay with it, too, I think. Dan, Dan's fine. Look, man, I really... Dan. I'm really enjoying it, and I really appreciate it. And we've been—I think we've done. This is our fifth, technically our fifth review. I think. God, um, listen, I am not keeping track, man, because it took us this long though to dive into horror. Now, for those listening that might not know, or if you're not watching on video or whatever, I am a bona fide, self-proclaimed horror guy. It's my favorite genre of film. I love what? horror. I love all film, but it's my favorite genre. However, Nick. My partner over there, the other P on the pod, does not really tend to gravitate towards horror. Nick, kind of, ex- is that fair to say? Like, it's just not your Decidedly thing, Decidedly right? not my thing, man. Decide- yeah. It's just, you know, like, horror movie tropes are just not for me. Mm. I often find horror characters are really, really thin, uh, really just, they, they make the stupidest decisions in a lot of these movies. Now, yeah. I love, like, gore. Like, I can watch a movie with, like, gore and, and splatter and, like, all mm. sorts of, like, creature effects, monster movies. Like, I love a lot of different movies in the horror genre. Like, make no mistake, I really do. But by and large, like, a horror movie really has to work hard to let me in as it mm. were and Good you know stuff. i mean did did talk to me do that i guess we'll i guess we'll find out when we get to uh when we get to our review yeah we're gonna get into it the review this week for the peas is talk to me the new australian horror film from a24 which was directed by twin brothers that are youtube kind of filmmakers i don't know if you knew that the philippu brothers danny nope. and michael and they are this um YouTube duo called Raka Raka. Did you know that, Nick, going into this? No. I, I knew nothing yeah. about this movie going into it. All I had seen is the poster in like, the theater lobby with the weird-looking hand. Yeah, yeah. Those of well, you on video, this thing that's trying to grab me right now. <laughs> I see that, yeah. <laughs> you had the mushroom cloud behind you last week and this giant hand behind you this week. Well, before we get into Talk to Me, which will be the review this week, we start every episode by asking each other one big question so let's get into that segment you could ask yourself a question i have a lot of questions number one how dare you (laughs) i had too much fun putting that together so good i don't know what dan's going to edit out of this but thank you for that so that was the first ever sound drop kind of jingle if you will that i've been asking nick to come up with for one big question nick i have mine you have one you want to ask me. I'm ready. Like to go first, or do you want me to go first? 
I'm I'm getting in on it. So this I've got this giant creepy hand like trying to grab me from behind. It's like it's it's right there. It's going to get a hold of me, Gerald. If you had a creepy ceramic hand Mm -hmm. that let you communicate with some plane of existence, now it can be real, imagined, whatever. Mm -hmm. Some plane of existence. You touch it. You you hold it and you speak the magic words. What plane of existence? What realm? What whatever would that be? Would it be the dead? Would it be I don't know. Uh, elves or Tolkien or you know like the Fast and Furious, so you could just be right there to channel Vin directly. Like, how? What would you do? I like that. I like that spin on it because I have a question for you that I thought we were going to have the same question, but yours is a little bit different. So yeah, I think I would probably go kind of like flux capacitor on it where i would want to use it as a bit of a time travel thing where i could go back to a different era you know and Mm. i could just kind of decide in the moment like i want to go back to 1942 or i want to go back to you know the 50s or or whatever nice does that make Uh sense like kind of use it as and then once i'm there I'm there and I just kind of find somebody to talk to and like, Hey, I'm from the future. Let's talk. <laughs> they take one look at you, brother. And they'd be like, you <laughs> are like Looney tunes. My friend, <laughs> you are definitely from the future. Who, what the, uh-huh. why do you look like that? That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening. In the that, is that what people look like in the future? <laughs> but I don't know if that makes sense. That's off the top of my head, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, you know, I, I like kind of use it to transport to a different era and then kind of yeah. you know, question people there, you know? Yeah, I like it. Well, mine for you, like I said, I thought you were kind of going this route, but this might be a gimme, but I actually am genuinely curious about this. Mm. Now, if you had, and we're going to get into the plot of the movie when we get into our review of it, but just so everyone knows, basically there's a ceramic embalmed hand that allows spirits to talk to the person on the other side in the real, you know, in present day, if you will. So mm-hmm. if you were in that seat and you were doing this that a lot of the teens in the movie do, what spirit, it can be somebody that you knew personally or it can be a famous person or whatever, what person would you want to see on the other side of you that you had an opportunity to quote unquote talk to? I, I want two qualifiers, sir. Number one, do they have to look all dead and weird? Number two, do I have a choice in whether or not I'm dumb enough to do this in the first place? Mm, you don't have a choice. So okay. for the purposes of one big question, you're doing it. Okay? I got to do it. Okay. I got to do but it. Okay. In terms of what they looked like, I'll just say it's probably whatever they looked like when they died. So if they were in a horrible car accident, then they're probably going to look fucked up. If they died quietly in their bed, then they probably look nice and serene. So I'll just mm. let you kind of think about that. Hmm. okay uh, well i mean it does i guess it doesn't really matter because i guess it's all about like who like the person you'd want to be in front of you necessarily would be and one of my favorite movies is citizen kane one of my favorite filmmakers of all time is orson Welles. i'd love to sit down and just have a jaw with orson Welles about film about his love of film about his creative process and things like that i think that'd be that'd be that'd be glorious that's a good one i could see that for you too Man, that would be a great... I'll man, take that would, one. You would fucking love that. You'd be floating on a cloud for weeks after that. Yeah, well... <laughs> Depends on what he looks like when, when he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> That's scared you are, I guess. Well, for me, it would be a little more personal. Be my dad. Like, I, Nice. 
Now, I guess I should have the caveat because as we get into this movie, it kind of comes up here with the parental figure as well. But I don't know. I feel like it would kind of freak me out if I didn't know and I didn't see it coming, though, like if it was like blindsided me. But if I had a choice mm, and I knew yeah. I was going to be talking to my dad, then that's different. So that's kind of what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was just so young. He was 42 when he passed. I was young. I was like 20 years old when he passed. I was young. Just so many things that I wasn't mature enough to really have talked to him about yet at that point in my life. And as I've gotten older and as I've had kids, that would, of course, be his grandkids if he were still around. I would just yeah, yeah. love to kind of, you know, see what he has seen of my life and just kind of like, you know, catch up with him. So that would be a, it's a personal answer, but that's, that's kind of the first thing. That's just of. a way better answer than I could have ever come up with no, for that man. question. <laughs> way better answer. Come on, man. I don't know. You had a good, good one. Stuff. Orson Welles is a good one. All right. Talk to me is the review tonight after the one point questionnaire. Thank you for that, Nick. Orson Welles. Good, good answer, man. And we are going to give our scores individually out of 10. We do that to start the discussion every week. Nick and I have not shared our scores with each other. Very little discussion online about this movie until we got together tonight. So if you're ready, Nick, here we go. You ready? ready? Yeah, let's do it, baby. Ready, set go your boy's giving it a seven out of ten. <laughs> Four out of ten holy lord <laughs> Four out wow. of ten this is going to be a lively discussion you want to know what's great about this too ladies and gentlemen is so when we when we're talking about doing the theme of the show gerald really wants to do this two piece score like the combined score and it's like oh, yeah. the what average between the two yeah it's five and a half gerald it's a uh, he wants to do the combined score for the whatever movie we're watching, and that's the two-piece score. I'm going to drag like a giant anchor, the average for every horror movie, down <laughs> so bad. I guess you will, because here we go. I would not be giving this a four or a five, but I guess that's what the show score is. So seven for me, a four from you. Real quick, let me just read the synopsis from Letterboxd. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. This is spoiler-free at the top for a few minutes here, Nick. As I mentioned before, first-time filmmakers, the Philippou brothers, only done YouTube kind of short films prior to this. And that's actually one of the things I really admire about the film is some of the filmmaking aspects, knowing that it's the first feature for these guys. But I want to hear your thoughts. Spoiler-free thoughts on why this just did not work for you. I mean, to be 100% honest, I talked about, like, what horror movies really have to do to connect with me, and this just quite simply didn't do it. I was not drawn to any of these characters. I wasn't connected to any of these characters. I think the performances are good. Let me say it out from the outset. I think the performances are good, particularly Sophie Wilde as Mia. I think she's great, and I think the performances in the film are really good, but I don't think the character's written very well, and I don't think there's anything that really does... Anything to invest me in the character, I kind of find her reprehensible. So the yes. film wants me to kind of go on an emotional journey with her, and I'm not on board for that journey. Like, I'm I not agree. along with it. And, I mean, the the film starts out, like, let me just say just, just this, non-spoiler, but the film starts out with a really, really amazing one-shot, G. I agree. Just an amazing really one-shot. It's, yep. it's a really great opening sequence. And as far as I'm concerned, the film kind of writes a check that it can't cash. By the time, like, that opening promises a movie that I just don't think it delivered. 
And that's kind of the problem for me. It's got some decent gore scenes. There's one possession scene that's like really like super gory, like really awesome effects. Like I think like, you know, they did a good job with blood effects and the performances and stuff like that are good. But man, this was paper thin. And let me tell you, G, we just talked about Oppenheimer. Was it last week on the show? Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer's three hours long. This is 95 minutes. This felt longer than Oppenheimer to me. Wow. I was agonizing in that theater waiting for this to end. It just felt like it was going on forever. It sounds like, Nicholas, that we're kind of eye to eye, but that you're being a little more harsh in terms of the way you kind of come down on the project. For me, I, I a lot of what you're saying, I'm kind of shaking my head and I'm agreeing with you because I feel like the opening sequence was fucking stellar. Like one of the so best good. I've seen. Best part of the film as far as I'm concerned. In a long time, like that first five minutes or so before the title card were just the cold open, if you will, was just like yeah. really, really good. It, it hooked you in, it hooked the audience in, but then it kind of goes up and down. I, I, we'll get into it in the spoiler side here in a second, but like there's like two or three scenes that are like that that are like really really good but then there's you know 70 percent of the movie that's just kind of like slapsticky and almost like cartoonish and i just i thought it was getting kind of silly in a couple areas where it was like i wasn't scared so much as i was just like trying not to laugh because it was so silly but i do think that the ambition of these first-time filmmakers and the visuals you mentioned that one shot in the opening is a great example there's one scene uh, where Riley is possessed in the movie that I thought was, aside from the opening, maybe the best scene in the movie. And it's really mean-spirited and brutal. A lot of good practical effects in the film. Some real memorable stuff that, you know, and I look at this and I'm an A24 fanboy. I don't think it's one of their best, but I definitely don't think it's one of their worst either. It's kind of middle of the road for me. I mean, I gave it a seven, but... You know, it could be a six one day. Seven's a middle of the road score, bud. Uh, You know, three and a half. I don't don't know. I liked it. I liked it. I just want to say that up top, I liked it. But I do have, I guess what I'm saying is, especially as I'm sitting here kind of talking it out for the first time, because I saw it by myself and I haven't really had a chance to talk to anybody about it. But as I'm talking, I guess what I'm saying is like, I kind of see that I have more problems with it in my mind than I do things I love about it, which is never a good thing. We're going to drag that score down, folks. We're dragging that score yeah. down before the we'll end see. of the show. We'll see. All right. So going <laughs> forward, you want to get into it, Nick? We'll just kind of talk about the film and scenes and characters and whatever we want to talk about. So going forward, for Talk to Me, anything that we say will be spoilery. So spoiler warning. All right. So we mentioned the opening sequence. We both love that. Legitimately, the one shot, the whole take ends with a dude stabbing himself in the face. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so wonderfully impactful. And, and this is the problem. This is the kind of say to follow on from my point that I was saying before, G, the film starts off with a dude like the, the brother shows up at the party looking for him and he finds him. And then like he's trying to get people to shut off their phones. And then his brother stabs him and then stabs himself in the face g and here's the thing okay i i'm not the horror guy like you but it's not that i don't like horror movies like i can enjoy them like if you promise me a movie in which the first couple minutes a person stabs themselves in the face mm-hmm. where where were the where were the kills in this movie where were the kills 
Where were all the kills? Where was all the death? As Loisos, a.k.a. Joe Bird, a.k.a. Riley would say, like, I want to see a kid get stabbed. Right. You know, like, where's all the death and mayhem and destruction? And I mean this very, very seriously. I could not get the idea out of my head. Maybe I was just distracted the whole time watching this. Joe Bird, the kid who plays Riley, I swear to God, it's Loisos. It's just like he looks like a young Loisos. Could not get it out of my head literally the entire time. Maybe that's why, because I think it's like Louis Loss too, but I thought that actor also did a really, really good job. You mentioned he was great. Wild. He was great. Uh, a lot of really great, great performances in the movie. There was even some performances in the film that um, I wish there had been more of, which is another reason why it came down a little bit for me. Let me look real quick. There were two kind of supporting characters that had the hand, the one black dude and then his friend, uh, Zoe Tarakes plays Haley. Mm-hmm. And then... I think it's Joss is the other character. It was the the black guy that had the hand. Yeah, you're, yeah, initially. yeah. Joss, Joss was the character's name. Yeah, yeah. Those two, I wish we had had more of because they were kind of refreshing. I mean, they were assholes. You know, they were kind of like typical high school assholes, but they were kind of it was kind of a refreshing turn from this like kind of gloom and doom that we got from Sophie Wilde's character for the majority of the film because she's dealing with mm-hmm. grief. Which is another reason why I'm kind of like, all right, A24, like we get it every, literally every movie you put out has to deal with grief, especially in horror. <laughs> so it was kind of a regurgitated <laughs> thing there too. So just to add to what you're saying, and I just want to point out, aside from that opening that we've talked about, there's a scene where Riley becomes possessed. And mm-hmm. I had a love-hate thing with that scene because as a horror junkie, it was my favorite scene in the movie. Like he just it goes from like this kind of innocent, sweet kind of thing that's happening to just this horrific, violent, brutal uh, horror in that one yep. scene where he's literally smashing his face on the table against the mantle, the, like mm-hmm. above the fireplace. And you think he's going to literally kill himself because, uh, you know, the spirit that's within him is doing that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just so like, it's one of those like, cover your eyes kind of scenes it's visceral yeah it's really visceral very impactful and then that same character has another scene that's very similar to that in the hospital Mm -hmm. he's mangled up already because he did all this destruction to his face and then later in the hospital he does basically the same thing in the bathroom and he's smashing his head against the tile uh in the shower or whatever so that those two scenes and I like the ending of the movie, even though I kind of predicted what was going to happen there. And that ended up being the case. We'll talk about the ending when we get there. Yeah, yeah. But everything I just mentioned to you, uh, from a scene perspective, that's it for me. Everything else is literally just kind of mid. It's just kind of like happening. Wow. Now, can I ask you real quick? What the fuck? No, of course. The thing with the dog making out with the kid. The licking like French kissing him and then later on when she's getting her toes or he's getting his toes sucked or whatever like those two scenes I'm like why I heard that scene was directed by Quentin Tarantino that was that was that was the toes scene that was why that was (laughs) I kept waiting for a Pulp Fiction poster on the wall or something Uh, right I mean were those just silly to you I mean I I was just like why are these they just kind of took me out of the horror elements of the film that I had been enjoying I don't know I just hated those scenes I mean, I'm going to I'm going to take your point and I'm going to run with a lot of it because we talked about the, you know, the Loisos possession scene in the middle of the movie where Joe Bird slash Loisos gets, you know, possessed and all everything. And when they hit that scene, I'm I'm there finally. 
that's what I'm saying in my head. I'm like, finally, this movie's finally going to start right. doing something. Because is it just me or does it take literally forever to set up the MacGuffin of the hand? It it takes so long. And these scenes drag on forever of these kids like going through it. And like they're, they they get like a thrill out of it, like recording like other people for social media. Like, ooh, look at look at how this person's acting when they're possessed and all these kinds of different things. Which, I mean, what, what kids today, right, G? But yeah. I mean, for me, it takes so long. It spends forever setting up the MacGuffin of the hand that I'm I, at this point. I'm I'm literally I'm I'm like I'm like this. I'm like, can we please get on with it? Can we please just get to some actual plot of this movie? And then the problem is, is they're spinning their wheels. They're spinning their wheels. They're spinning their wheels. They're not actually starting the plot of this movie. But then they're not even giving us any character depth for the characters that we've got in it. We get like one brief scene of. Mia's father's in the background and it's implied that they have a strained relationship and we get like one offhanded comment by Miranda Otto's character Sue good to see AON still doing stuff uh you know she she mentions that she missed you know Mia's mom's like the anniversary of her death but right that's the only backstory that we get drawn from Mia whatsoever and I think the film needed to do one of two things G I think it needed to either a add a few more minutes to flesh out Mia a little bit more or make her even likable because she's not likable for me because that whole possession scene with Riley, it's that whole thing's her fault. I know. I know. And then she shows up at the hospital and she's like all sad about it. And it's like, but she's our protagonist. And like, am I supposed to feel bad for her? Cause I don't like right. at all. She's like upset that she can't be there with the family and stuff. But I'm like, but this is all your fault. Right. You know? And, like, I just, like, I did not, like, like I said, I think the performance is great. I think the performance, I think Sophie Wilde, what she was given on the page, I, I just, I don't think what she was given on the page really works. The character is so paper thin that I I just couldn't get invested in her story. I just didn't, I honest to God, like, I mean this sincerely, I didn't care. The movie kind of walks on eggshells when it's kind of like, hit social commentary with, you know, social media and the, the teens on their phones and this life and death situation that they're, they're kind of treating as like a TikTok trend. I mean, you can remember a few years ago with the Tide Pods and like, you know, insert anything in the blank there that you want to. I mean, kids do stupid shit to get views or whatever. And I did like how they kind of illustrated that that was the point, um, regardless of what or regardless of how serious, you know, this was. Yeah, yeah. They were looking at it more as you know, not a dead person possessing their friends, but like, this is going to get a thousand views. And and I did like how that was kind of uh, implied and, and kind of pushed that narrative. And then yeah. we also get this kind of underlying uh, vision of like mental health and mental illness and dealing with the grief of losing a parent. And you do get the sense that Mia is kind of going through that, but I just, like you said, the script didn't do it any favors to where all the heavy lifting was on us because we, you know, if we don't buy into the very, very little that they're giving us, we just don't care. And maybe yeah. you didn't. I mean, based on your score, you probably didn't. But like, I thought that Sophie Wilde did such a good job that it, that at least I connected because of her performance. But like, we have that scene in the kitchen where early on, where you can tell that she's kind of irritated with her dad. She's doing the dishes or whatever, and he keeps kind of yeah. interrupting. And you can tell that she doesn't really want to talk to him. But we don't know why. Like, we don't know why. And even later on in the movie, when it kind of comes up that, you know, she's somewhat suspicious of her dad's involvement in her mom's passing or whatever, 
Like, why is she suspicious? Did he have anything to do with it? I mean, I get that it's trying to kind of leave that as like a mysterious element, but also why didn't we kind of spend a little more time on that? Why didn't we wrap that up even at the end of the movie? I, I don't know. It was just a lot of kind of like, and I hate to use the term plot holes, but it was just a lot of like holes kind of scattered throughout the film. And what saved it for me were the performances, which you mentioned, really all of them. Like I thought all the actors from the mom to, you know, we Sophie Wilde's obviously the standout, but she's a horrible character. I mean, she's yeah. like the worst, like, I mean, the worst, you know, I like, like you said, I mean, basically the entire plot of the movie is her fault. I mean, at least from the point where we get to the Riley situation and he's, you know, mangled. I also hated, I'm going to let you cut in, but I also hated how we get to the end of the film. And then I guess like, they're okay. Like Riley's okay. I mean, I feel like he's going to have facial issues with his entire life because of what he went through. So I, you know what I mean? Like how they kind of showed them as a happy family in the hospital at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Was she seeing that or is that how they are now? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's up to our interpretation. I'm not sure if it's up to our, our interpretation or not. I guess we can talk more about the ending kind of when we get there. But I mean, I think my problem is with it. Like, you can have a film where you give us bare bones and you let the audience do the heavy lifting in terms of thinking and, and progressing along with the characters and along with the plot. That's perfectly fine. And you can even have an unlikable protagonist. I mean, think about like, I mean, it's a TV example, but think about like Breaking Bad, you know, which has one of the most reprehensible protagonists in the history of television as its central character, you know, and I think, you know, there's just something missing for me there on the page where it just didn't draw me into it because I picked up right away the scene with her dad. He's fuzzy in the background. Like he's out of focus and he's interrupting her. Like you can just tell, like it's implied they're, they're, they're saying that they have a strained relationship, like right mm-hmm. from the get go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, so I don't need a, like a deep fleshed out backstory of Mia's character, but what I wouldn't have minded, like there are some scenes at different points in the film when she's looking through her phone at videos with her mom and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have minded maybe parking some of that stuff a little bit earlier so i can kind of start to form a connection to mia through that relationship with her mom that of course she's now grieving because she's now lost her mom like i really really would have liked to have that earlier so i could start to like get involved or get invested with this character or go along for the ride with this story like even if you have a character making bad choices and and being reprehensible or doing whatever they're going to do in the film that's okay if you hook me in and bring me along for the ride and and this film just didn't do enough for me to bring me along for that ride it really really didn't and and like i said I, i think it spends so long spinning its wheels that it really just doesn't have like it, it, i mean it once it's but once it finally like got to that scene of riley getting possessed and like that really awesome gore scene with like pulling the eyeball out of its socket and like all that mm-hmm. stuff super super grotesque like super awesome effects it looked great like and and like i said i was like finally but then the film screeches to a halt again and then it really it really just yeah. kind of just plods along it did a lot of that slowly 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 i found and and here's 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 two things i want to bring up to you g i want to pitch both of these at you and see how you felt about them too i really really disliked how the family rejects me i mean obviously they reject me because it's her fault 
Um, mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever they, whenever they go back to, um, you know, the hospital after Riley's thing, the family rejects her, tells her to get away, tells her to get away, blah blah blah. Like I like that. That's perfectly good. That's perfectly fine. But then, like literally, like a few scenes later, it's just like, hey, come on over, bud. Like you know, like her, her the sister Jade is like like hates her and is mad at her but then all of a sudden is like hey come on back or whatever like that seems out of line like in terms of like an emotional character reaction that seems like a really fast kind of character track to kind of get past that point of view and then i want to i want to ask you a serious question here Mm -hmm. how inept australian listeners paul if you're listening chime in how inept is the australian police force in this movie if how does how do they keep the hand how in any scenario like talking to all these kids like oh like did none of them mention the hand did none of them mention all the videos they were recording say, all of all these media. different possessions it's all over social media and stuff but the police never confiscate this hand or anything like this like literally like there's almost nothing of that that and, and that for me was just this logical break of the movie yeah. i'm just like wait why would they still have the hand i mean i get it i get it movies got a movie and we need our mcguffin to continue movieing but like I'm like I'm like that for me was just a serious break in logic where I was just like what like like seriously I agree with you it's a giant yeah. logistical like yeah. miss it's a miss but you know I will say ninety percent of horror movies have something like that where it's like where the fuck yeah. is the police department <laughs> like where's <laughs> call nine one one like what are y'all doing you know what I mean so that I I was not necessarily as bothered by that but I I see it. I didn't really dock too much off of the movie for that in in terms of that. Because like I said, movie's still got a movie. You still need the MacGuffin of the movie past that scene. I just maybe wouldn't have gone to like the whole police thing or some some other way to set up that scene where it doesn't end with all those teenagers then getting questioned by the police. Because that is, like I said, that's a huge logical break to me at that point. The best thing when it comes to like connecting to Mia and to her emotionality that she must have felt after you know it was her fault what happened to riley essentially is the scene in the car when she goes to pick him up and they sing chandelier by sia in the car and they have (laughs) like that awesome which by the way this was still early on and i was still kind of riding the high from the opening sequence so i was so on board for the movie at that point i was just like yeah i love this energy i loved that energy of that scene like that was great but then yeah what was that weird shot of like the baby kangaroo in the street i don't get i didn't really get what that was about it was foreshadowing for later when she was essentially being told she had to put him out of his misery um you know let's go ahead and talk about you want to go ahead and talk about the ending then since we're kind of getting there I mean, we can, we can, but can I can I also mention one other thing that really really bugged me about this movie? Mm-hmm. So in the opening scene, again that that beautiful one shot we talked about, Duckett is the character's name, stabs his brother and then kills himself, stabs himself in the face. I thought the brother was dead uh, when when he showed yeah. up. Like literally, it was over an hour into the film, two thirds of the way through this film, all of a sudden. Shudden? That's not a word. Wait, what? The brother shows back up in the film as a character for, like, one scene? Yeah. Like, first of all, I assumed that the character was dead, but then, okay, fine, he's not dead, but, like, I pretty much forgot who that character even was, and then all of a sudden you just randomly bring him back in, and then he's gone again. Like, literally one scene gone. Right. He's, like, one of those kind of, like, exposition characters that knew what you were supposed to do, and, like, hey, you have to go in the conservatory with the candlestick and like, you know, it was a whole clue thing at that point. 
it was just weird for me. I I just really, really didn't like that the movie just randomly brought that character back for like like out of nowhere. I was just like, oh wait, this is the guy from the beginning of the movie whose brother killed himself. And like, and then like to go back to this point, I Gerald, you're the horror guy. You're the horror guy. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me that you're not disappointed with the body count in this movie. No. And, you know, I was actually going to mention that when you brought it up earlier about when you said, where are the kills? You know, this for me, and I'm just going to tell anybody listening, and I may get some hate mail for this, even from close friends of mine, maybe. I don't know. This is more of a psychological thriller to me. It really is. Like, I think that there's... I can agree with that, yeah. I think there's some scenes in it that are straight out of the horror genre like the riley possession scene yep um i like that opening sequence but i mean aside from a few scenes this is just a psychological movie that deals with mental health and grief and uh the impact of social media on young folks Mm -hmm. but it's right i mean you know you could you could say it's a possession film you could say it's a you know supernatural ghost story or whatever which all kind of fits in the horror genre. So it's definitely horror adjacent, but I'm with you. There weren't any kills. I mean, there really were there. I mean, aside from opening when the dude kills himself, I think it's more like a sixth sense kind of deal where it's like, you know, all the quote unquote horror stuff we see is from the afterlife and they're already dead, you Mm -hmm. know, um, zombies, sixth sense, like that kind of horror where it's like, there's not on-screen kills. They're just scary. It's, it's just scary imagery, you know, in the afterlife, so to speak. I mean, I get it, but the the problem with that for me is like, I be a psychological thriller if you want to, but man, don't don't set me up with dude stabbing himself in the face yeah. within that first five minutes, within that first it's first like two minutes. I guess it's literally the cold open of the movie. It's a great, great sequence. It's it's so, so well done. It's so, so well shot. But, but now I'm waiting for the next person to stab themselves in the face like throughout the whole rest of the movie. It sets up an expectation for me as a viewer that the film just doesn't pay off. I agree. I think I'm just a little more forgiving to it as an entire project. But, I mean, this is essentially like a Ouija board story, right? I mean, the hand is essentially the Ouija board. I mean, they're they're conjuring these spirits. And, you know, it is frightening at times, but and obviously I like the film. I gave it a seven. But what brought it down for me is because that opening sequence and the first like 10 or 15 minutes after that, I was just like fully like this is a fucking nine or a 10. Like, this is great. And then it kind of just lost its way where it was like it went back to that in a couple of scenes. Like we mentioned Riley and some stuff at the end. But then it was just had all this weird shit mixed in that I frankly didn't care about and kind of took me out of the the bliss that I was in as a horror fan, you know, like I, I didn't like the weird love triangle story that took me out of it. Like I didn't care about Daniel and, you know, he was with, uh, what was the friend's name? He was with Jade. her Jade. He was with Jade, but I guess he had a history with Mia, but then they just talk about them holding hands. I'm like, how old are you guys? Fucking 11 when this happened? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, it was just a really, I didn't care about any of that stuff. And they spent so much time on it. And then, it culminates in this weird scene where she's sucking his toes, which was like silly to me. It wasn't scary at all. It was just like a comedic, like, and I don't think it was supposed to be, which is the worst kind of comedy. Um, (laughs) so, but you know what I mean? Like it was just kind of a, it wasn't a consistent film. 
Like I would love yeah. it for 20 minutes. And then the next 20 minutes, I'd be like, where's the movie that I loved, you know, and then it would come mm-hmm. back and then it would go away again. So I just was kind of up and down with this movie, hence the score. But at the end of the day, as a horror fan, I would recommend it, but I would also put that little asterisk that it's a psychological thriller more than anything else. In my opinion. Yeah. Let's talk about the ending a little bit. How did you, how yeah. did that sit with you? Did Jade push her into the highway or did she kill herself? I would, I, I think she killed herself. See, I thought that, but then as I was thinking about it afterwards, I think Jade saved her brother and pushed her because she's so kind of surprised that she's found out she's dead. Like she doesn't, in other words, if she had thought to herself consciously, I'm going to kill myself, then I don't think she would have been surprised to learn that she was on the other side. I mean, to, to go one level deeper here, let's incept this. Do you trust the spirit or whatever that form or spirit or undead, whatever you want to call it, of her mom? Like, do you trust Mm. that spiritual entity of her mom that kept recurring, like, Mm -hmm. like from like the halfway point forward where it was like, no, no, just kill Riley because then he'll be here with me and I'll protect him from all these bad demons that are trying to hurt him and stuff. And then she's trying to tell like Riley that, no, no, I didn't kill myself to like foster mistrust between her and her dad and, and all that stuff. I didn't, I I didn't buy the mom character at all. I I, I honestly think that the mom character was an evil, was an evil spirit. And the way I took the ending was that, and granted, the film doesn't really do a good job of spelling it out one way or the other. That's why there's this question here. I think that Mia, at least my ending for this would be Mia kills herself because she realizes that this spirit of her mother is trying to get her to commit evil mm-hmm. and kill Riley because that's what they want. That's what the spirits want. Riley, he's trapped like in this purgatory or whatever with them, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the spirits or whatever want. And I think Mia kills herself to sever that connection because she, I think she's the open door. Like there's the whole, you got to open like the candle to open the door and you blow the candle out to close the door. She's like the open door at that point. Like these, she's the reason why all these different things are happening around her. So I I want to believe, at least for me, like I said, my ending of the movie is she realizes that this spirit of her mother is malevolent and is like, no, I'm not going to kill Riley. Like, I need to, like, get, like, past it. And plus, I mean, she had just killed her dad, too. You know, I mean, like, and, and she, I mean, was, she was, like, really yeah. losing her connection with reality at that point. So I, I, I want to believe... To your point, like if it if it was Jade, if it was, why not show that? Why not show that? I know, and and that's weird because either either scenario, the film doesn't really. I know. Tell you either way. I did initially, like when I left the theater, thought she killed herself because that really spoke to her mental state in the film, especially as the film goes on. Like she obviously is dealing with the trauma, and like you said, she inadvertently killed her killed her dad she already lost her mom yeah and i to to answer your question i never really did trust the mom either like and i wish they had kind of not spelled it out for me but just kind of spent a little more time with that or given me a few more scenes to kind of come up with that and and here's here's the scene that i think is missing from the film it's not so much the audience figuring it out but it's mia figuring it out Mm-hmm. Uh, if if that's true, if the mother character is malevolent, like say say that she is, and I mean I don't know that we can really say one way or another. 
if the mother character is malevolent, is this evil spirit like when does Mia realize it? If I'm if like if that is the case, if if you if you right. go with the way that I think the film ends, when does the film spell that out, or when does that become obvious to the character? Because I don't think it does. It doesn't. And honestly, even after she's dead and she's in the afterlife for that few minutes at the end of the movie, she, doesn't she see her mom there too? And she's like, "Mom," and she's kind of like calling out. No, she her. sees her dad. She sees her dad. Oh, she's like dad. chasing right. her dad in the hallway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it never really, and frankly, it never really tells us either about the dad either because there's that kind of cool scene where he has the suicide note from the mom mm -hmm. and we kind of question like did he write that or is is did she write it do you know what i mean like Here's we don't really know um so i did like that i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you this right now about that scene marcus johnson's performance in that scene is so good mm -hmm. um like as the actor like the dad's not acting there that is a dad that is absolutely racked with grief mm -hmm. over the loss of his wife yep. uh that like the mom killed herself i'm 100 percent convinced of that fact like i don't believe that there's any kind of nefarious goings on with the mom or like in her death or anything like that i think that that's the malevolence of that spirit trying to convince mia that she had right. Ben, she was that she didn't kill herself and that her dad was lying like 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 dude like either either max the character is the greatest actor on the planet or that is a dad and a father and a, a husband who has dealt with the loss of his wife the tragic loss of of his young wife like at, at that point like mm -hmm. like dude like that is that's such a good performance in that moment from that actor i agree like, yeah i don't i don't buy that for a second that that it wasn't suicide and it's juxtaposed to with what we're talking about with the mom or I guess the spirit of the mom and how we, we, you know, cause she does kind of have that underlying kind of sinister, right? Like you never really go, Oh, this is such a sweet mom. Like, yeah, I don't know you're always kind of questioning it, but the dad, I was kind of on his side whenever he was on screen, which I, like we already kind of said, I just wish they'd spend a little more time on his relationship with Mia and kind of where that was. Um, you know, being strained, if you will, as opposed to all of it being implied and then kind of just ends with her essentially killing him, or we assume she kills him with the scissors. I mean, and, in the neck with the scissors and the yeah. blood gushing out if he's, I mean, granted, the brother survived the stabbing at the beginning the of the movie, fine, so, the, so who knows? the dads could still be alive too, but who knows? I don't know about the cops in Australia, but I guess the doctors are top tier. Maybe right? that's implied by the ending of the movie, the fact that she like can't catch up to her dad is like he's still in the world of the living and she can't get back to him because now she's yeah, dead. Yeah, maybe he's could like be him. that could be yeah. that way it could be an implication yeah. there too i'm not sure so wrap up know. real quick and just tell me yes or no did you like the ending did it work for you her kind of realizing she's dead and she's the one on the other side of the hand like i liked like the I liked last that. 30 seconds i liked that yeah like yeah. i liked it i think it, i think it worked with everything and putting her on the other side of that yeah i, I did i did like the ending in terms of what the film up to that point had had been leading to you know, I just I wasn't really connected enough to me as a character like the whole time to really care about her fate either way. Right. But yeah, well, let's uh, let's wrap up and then we'll get over to the fan feedback. So when it comes to talk to me, it's a recommend for me. I have a lot of problems with it in terms of like its structure and its tone. Um, the path was kind of it was all over the place. It was like when you put it was like when you put a route in your GPS and it gives you the shortest distance to get to your point. That's the route you should take. 
but I feel like the brothers took a, a couple different routes to get there. I don't know why yeah, they did that. Yeah. It could have been that's a, much a great more... dude. That's such a good way to describe the plot yeah. of this movie. Meandering, like yeah. it takes a bunch of side streets that it doesn't really need to. Right. I don't think that the length of this movie is the problem. I think you could keep it at ninety five minutes. Just yeah. use that ninety five minutes of screen time better. Yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have a lot more possession scenes in the movie. I would have had, I already mentioned, I would have loved to have had a lot more of those supporting characters, which I thought were really cool. Like they were really kind of those typical high school antagonists, but you still kind of pull for them. You know, Mia was abhorrent as a lead character. It was really hard to pull for her. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, Riley was the one I was really pulling for. And, um, you know, and the mom, I love the Riley's mom too. She was freaking hilarious in this. I thought she was a great comic relief and kind of the typical single mom. Um, she did a really good job too. And you already mentioned all the performances all around really good. A great first directorial effort, I thought too. And that really impressed me. I feel like if this had been a veteran director or something like that, I probably wouldn't have been as forgiving, but I thought it was a really good first outing. And I'm really excited to see what these guys do. I went back and watched a lot of their YouTube shorts after seeing the movie, and they they are very inventive. They're fucking wild. They have a, I don't know if you've seen any of them. They, they have this YouTube like horror comedy where Ronald McDonald goes into the local, I guess it's supposed to be like a Chick Fil A kind of chicken place that's across the street. And he's pissed that he's taking. <laughs> Ronald's pissed that they're taking all McDonald's business, so he goes in there and slaughters the whole crew that's working there. <laughs> that's amazing. Really I got to find that. That's amazing. Uh, that sounds great. But yeah, anyway, so I'm excited to see what these guys do, and it's a recommend for me, although it's a mild recommend. Nick, uh, you want to wrap up on Talk to Me? I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you. I'm excited to see what they do next. I wish this had connected with me more than it did, but unfortunately, it just didn't. I find it interesting, too, that you and I both kind of had the same exact criticisms of the film, but your score is 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 so much higher than mine. I think I think maybe you still found that inroad. I think you still found a way for the film to let you in, whereas it it just didn't really do that for me. I think that there's those great scenes of like them singing Chandelier, the opening sequence, mm-hmm. the scene you're talking about, like with uh, Miranda Otto's character of Sue, of like knowing that the kids are going to have a party and then right. like going to all the different kids and like you know grilling them about having the yeah. party and stuff like yeah, all that stuff is really really great. There was some really really good stuff in here. But I mean, why did the scenes of the like the possessions with the hand have to take so long? And why did we have to have all these ancillary characters that A, we don't know anything about and B, aren't even there to be like horror movie cannon fodder, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's me, me looking for them to play more on tropes in a horror movie when I hate them anyway. So, you know, you'd think that this would have been like a nice refreshing kind of thing for me. But for like I said, for whatever, like I I just did not gravitate enough toward the character of Mia to to really connect into it. And like I said, I think Sophie Wilde's performance, I think, is great. Yeah, it's just I really, really wish that that this film had taken me along for the ride. But hey, um, keep your eyes peeled for young Loy sauce. That kid's going places, man. (laughs) Well, I can't believe Loisos I could got not flick. whole time, man. Whole time. I was like, yeah, that I kid that looks exactly like Loisos. I could not get it out of my head. I thought that, too. I should have actually text him, but I don't know if he's seen it yet. And he would probably been like, what are you talking about? Good old Loisos showing up in an Australian horror. Who would have known? All right. Well, there you go. That's the P's wrap up on Talk to Me. Seven out of ten for me and a four out of 10 from nick which gives us a five and a half from the peas Oof, drag that average down baby man thanks a lot dude all right <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't 
We don't have a jingle to put in here yet, but we're going to be spinning the roulette wheel for the first time this week. But before we do that, Nick, I tell you what, let's head over to the comments section. Now, you and I ask ourselves one big question at the top of every episode, but we also go over the end of the episode and we let the fans ask us a question. Do you have one picked out over there, buddy? I got one. Let's hear it, man. All right. So destruction in human form himself, Mr. Jared Taylor. Love you, brother. Uh, longtime supporter of literally everything I've ever done, which yeah, I don't a, understand how anyone could be or is, but I, I love you, dude. He posted a question in there. He said, top five horror movies, according to ooh, me, ooh, which I had to, this. I had to, I had to answer because I felt like it was the best question that really, I gotta write that down. really grabbed at me. And so number one is probably Saw. I love the original Saw movie. I, th I think, I, and talk about psychological horror. Yeah. I really love that movie. I mean, Grant, it's gore, gore fest completely, like all over the place with the contraptions and traps and everything. But I really, really love Saw. It, absolute masterpiece to me. Number two, really, really old, silent film, G, Nosferatu, baby. Yeah. Love Nosferatu, man. Max Shrek is, uh, is Count Warlock. Are you kidding me? I watch that every single Halloween. Can't wait to watch it again this year. Did you see Shadow of the Vampire with Willem Dafoe? I still have never seen that. No, I really do yeah, need to see that with man. Dafoe as um, as as him. Yeah. Uh, number three, I know you love this movie, so I don't even have to ask. Uh, John Carpenter, The Thing, baby. Yes. I mean, just how good is The Thing, man? So good, uh, man. Utter and complete masterpiece. Three, yeah. Yeah. Number four for me is, and this was tough for me, because, but I threw this in here because I know I really do love it, and it's a classic now, anyway, even though it doesn't seem like it should be, because it was only released in the 90s. G Scream. The original Scream. Yeah, dude. I'm How so good proud is that of movie? you. That's in my How top How good five, is that movie? Too. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, let me let me big shout out to Paul from the countdown here. Number five, Train to Busan. Uh, oh, zombies. Zombies are probably my favorite horror creature because I love like zombie video games and stuff. And like I've always loved zombie media for the most part, except for The Walking Dead. <laughs> God. Uh, but yeah, Train to Busan is so, so good. And then like the emotional just absolute sucker punch it, de it deals you at the end of that movie is like a one two punch. It's like it's not only like a really great, gory horror zombie movie but also like really emotional like really great uh for the whole ride as well you ever seen that one you've seen that one right oh yeah loved it yeah yeah it you better have you better really, have. really good man yeah really good, good i good, love good. that one so you got two of mine in your top five too so the scream and the thing so I, but i'm proud that's a really good that's a really good uh list i'll take there, it so. I'll and, take it. And thank you, Jared, for bringing about the top five format, too, there for a second, too. Oh, <laughs> see, see. I saw that twinkle in your eye. <laughs> so I'm going to stick. This question came in today, and I read it, and I'm like, I'm going to do that one. What's the – Kayla, my girl Kayla, patron of the show, she says, what's the most fucked up horror movie you have seen to date? By the way – uh, I'll just throw this caveat in there real quick, Nick. Hopefully Dan keeps this in for Kayla's sake. But she texted me earlier and she said, I threw my question up in the in the chat. She And then she said that she thinks I should publicly apologize to you for making you watch Talk to Me. <laughs> so I'm doing that kind of, I guess. I agree, Kayla. The most fucked up horror movie I have seen to date is The Human Centipede. Have you ever seen that, Nick? No, no, never have, never have. It's it's one of those movies where I just know it's Bro. like disgusting, like gross oh out, God. nasty nonsense. Now, and like I, I never ever would. There's some like really unique, inventive, original things, and I'm talking about in the first film. The sequels, they just get 
they're just really crazy over the <laughs> they top. just get more ridiculous as they yeah. go yeah 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 but the first one actually has some redeeming qualities to it from a horror perspective perspective but it is so fucked up man i mean this mad scientist <laughs> basically sews together humans to make a literal centipede and there's some really really fucked up scenes in that movie that uh just make me sick to even think about so the human centipede would be my answer. Do you have? Can you think of one off the top of your head, Nick? The most. I'm going to think of an answer. Seen? I'm going to think of an answer, but I'm not going to. I'm not. It's not going to be a bad answer. It's going to be a really, really good answer. And I'm going to circle right back to my top five list with the thing. How, mm. like, how, number one, how amazing, how brilliant, how ingenious, incredible are the creature effects in that movie? But they're also, dude, like the chest caving in. The, the head with the spider legs, like, dude, that mm-hmm. movie is mm-hmm. just, ooh, ooh, I get the, I get the, it's tough to rewatch for me because, like, the creature effects are so good and so gross out, disgusting, nasty, just, just, it's the, the perfect horror, the horror, really perfect horror creature really, really is. It, it's, it's, it's just an absolute, like, monument to, to, to perfection as far as horror goes for me. So well, I'm going to, I'm just going to vote for that one effects. because, yeah, yeah exactly. So good, I have to pick that one again. I have to throw that one back in here because, yeah, not it. necessarily in the same vein as your example in that it was just bad. But in this <laughs> yeah. sense, yeah, yeah I mean, sure. the thing is just you, you you won't find films that are more messed up than the thing, I don't think. As messed up, probably, but. Next week on The Peas, for the very Ooh. first time in almost eight years, Love it. Gerald will not be on an episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I will not dun, be dun, dun, dun. So, wow. Nick, uh, what is it? The Last Voyage of Demeter? Is that how you say it? The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which the Demeter. reason why I or I think it's probably Demeter, but the reason why I kind of wanted to watch this movie is, gee, what was one of the movies I just named in my top five there? Nosferatu. It's Nosferatu. And like that portion of, I mean, obviously Nosferatu is Dracula, guys. Like we all know the whole thing with, you know, the estate and everything. We won't talk about that. But like one of the whole key cruxes to that whole Dracula story is when Dracula gets put on a boat and shipped to a different place. Like I think that that this movie is just meant to kind of be like a dramatic, like not maybe not dramatic's the wrong word, but like I think they're only focusing on like the horror aspect of just like the on the boat part of mm-hmm. like Dracula loose on a boat. Right. Because like they say the name in the trailer. They say Dracula in the trailer. So I'm yeah. pretty sure because I think Dracula's public domain now, isn't it? Like you can kind of do mm-hmm. whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Like you can make movies like set like kind of like they did with Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Who boy. Yeah. Um Good but yeah, like I think I think that's kind of like what this is, is I think it's just taking just that portion of the Dracula story out and setting it as a feature film on its own, like Dracula on a boat. How's that going to play out? So I'm, I'm, I've always been, I've always loved, like I said, Nosferatu and things like that. So I, that's why I'm interested in it. And my arch nemesis, uh, besides Gerald, of course, Brad from uh, Brad yep. from the Cinema Guys is going to be here with yep. me as the guest P to to hang out and and spend some time. It's going to be really really fun. So I'm excited to to talk to him about that. Yeah. So shout out to my boy Brad, and he'll be kind of filling in for me next week. And you guys are going to cover that film. Uh, get out to the theater and see that that'll be the that'll be releasing this week and it'll be on next week's episode and then and i gotta we... try not to break everything around here yeah don't break it yeah <sighs> don't, don't piss off the 36 listeners that listen to this on a regular basis now when Did I we come... get 30 more where'd they come from <laughs> you didn't tell me about you didn't tell yeah. me about a 30 jump all of a sudden you came on board and we gained 30 so thank you uh now when i come back from my vacation 
you and I are going to cover a film. Now, what we're going to do for the first time this week is we're going to spin the roulette wheel. Now, the way the roulette wheel works, which we will incorporate probably at least on a monthly basis once we kind of get going, yeah, is there's a pick from Nick, there's a pick from me, and then they, and then there's a pick from the patrons. Yep. So you can submit a pick if you're a patron of the show, and the links are in the show notes if you want to join up over on Patreon for as little as a dollar. And you can throw a movie at us that you want us to review here on the show, which will be one of our weekly episodes. So it'll just be, you know, whenever there's nothing cool in the theater or we don't get a chance to go out to the theater or whatever. So when I come back from vacation, that'll be the first week that we're doing that. All right. So those watching see the little wheel on the screen is so professional. But we have a pick for Gerald, a pick for Nick, and a pick for the patrons. If it lands on the patrons, we'll have to do another wheel. But yeah, that's true. The magic of editing, I won't bore you. So you're ready, Nick? Let's give this thing a spin. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. First roulette wheel spin here on the piece. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Look at this. Nick. Nicholas gets the first roulette wheel pick. Ooh, baby. What do you think, man? What's your pick? What are we reviewing when I come back from vacay? Ooh, man. So... (laughs) Did you have one? Because you were kind of fumbling around. I, well, I, I did. And then I kind of was thinking about, like, this would be perfect because I know you've never seen it. Mm. And everyone must see, must experience, must let live within them mm-hmm. the beauty and mastery that is Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Just Ooh. celebrated 20 years. Just celebrated 20 years this year. I just saw this in theaters back at the end of June, the Fathom event. Super, super amazing to see this in an audience with a crowd. I'll talk about that more when we talk about it. I think I talked about it already probably, but uh, one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had in my life. Like it was so much fun to watch that with a crowd of people. Um, It's less fun when you don't watch it with a crowd of people, but Gerald, just let it happen to you. Don't just let it happen to you. That's all I can tell you about it. Just let it happen to you. All right. So The Room, coming up on a future episode of Two Peas, we'll be reviewing Tommy Wiseau's The Room. And I'm glad you picked that one because it was number one on my Blind Spots top five I did last year with our boy Dan. And I have, it's one of those movies where I've seen like probably 20 scenes <laughs> or like yeah. clips, I should say. You <laughs> You've know, like seen most of it like in social media clips. GIFs and in um, clips and stuff like that yeah. on social media, which yeah. is, is great. But... Artist, which I really like too. I really like the disaster yeah. artist. So. And the great thing about the disaster artist too is the recreations of the scenes in it are legitimately no perfect. Like all the scenes they recreated because they have that whole montage at the end too where they play side by side like their version but then, then the original version. Like they no perfect. They did perfect when they recreated uh, when they recreated all of those. I'm super excited for you to Me actually too. experience the genius of Tommy Wiseau from beginning to end. I can't wait to watch it again because I mean, I'm just going to, I'm, I can't, I cannot wait. You are my rose, Gerald. You are my rose. I can't wait to throw a football to you. And I don't know, and, that um, means, but I'm you know, excited about to find out. I, I, you're going to find out. <laughs> All right, sweet. So uh, next week, we welcome in Brad from the Cinema Guys and some show called Apple Teeny Plus. I know, I think he does that show as well. And uh, you guys, sorry, what's up? You guys will be talking about the last voyage of Demeter. Am I saying that right? I'm good. We're going to say Demeter until Demeter. until I'm proven wrong. And then the week after, we will review the room, Nick. Thanks for holding it down next week, brother. And thanks for talking about Talk to Me uh, with me tonight. I'm sorry it didn't hit with you as much as I had hoped it would. But uh, thanks for doing it, brother. 
I hold you personally responsible. Anytime I do not get the enjoyment out of a film that I would like to, I'm going to hold you personally responsible. Especially that is going to be the MO of this show. I just lost the bottom of my pen. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, man. I love you. Uh, thanks for holding it down next week, and I'll see you on the flip side, brother. I love you, brother. And just to put this out there um, really, really quick before we wrap up, too. Uh, I know we talked about it a few different times in the show tonight. Um, but if you are someone who is struggling, if you need someone to talk to, if you're someone who is having bad thoughts or anything like that, please call. If you're in the States anyway, if you're in the United States, call or text 988 uh, and, and speak to somebody if you're if you're if you're having a mental health crisis or anything yeah. like that. Please, like no matter what you do, like life is always, always, always worth living, no matter how bad it may seem. And please, just don't give up on yourself because hey, you're here listening to this. That means that means we love you because you know you, you you're the reason that that we that we put the work in to do this every single week because uh, you know of all of our amazing listeners. So. Yeah, if you're, if you're somebody who's experiencing crisis, I just wanted to mention that at the end since I know we did mention it uh, earlier because it's you know it's one of the things that does come up in the film. So yeah, if you're in the United States at least, 988. If you're international, there are resources and everything that you can reach out to in your country as well. Take care of yourselves, please. Yeah, great call out, man. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see, Well, I won't see you next week. I'll see you in two weeks. But Nick will be back next week with our boy Brad. Until then, with everybody Brad. take care. Why did we do Brad. that? Again? Why is Brad coming? Man, why is <laughs> No, you know what it is. You know what it is. We gotta have Brad be the first guest and then it's only go to go up from there. Oh, we're, we're, we can only get better to, from Brad. We gotta set to, the bar so low that anybody <laughs> could clear it. We're about to lose that 30. God damn it. <laughs>